Hello, it's Vaya. Just a little check-in because there's a lot happening uh, and a lot not happening. So we're not vibing it this week, to be honest. And I know that sentiment is common in our little neighbours, neighbours community. So we're going to sit this week out. And I've deferred to my... um, my brand enthusiast, CJ, the hot mess mum, and she advises me that when the lead singer of a band has to go to rehab, they put out a best of album. So you can enjoy uh, this clip show. This is a collection of segments that I put together for the uh, podcast award submission last year. Nothing came of it except a few days <laughs> that I <laughs> took to put these together. So you can enjoy them now. And have a trip down memory lane. So uh, while Neighbours works out where it's at with the claims of racism and we all get our heads around it and our feelings around it, I have also paused the Neighbours Patreon for one month. No one will be billed for the month of May. Uh, That will also give me a chance to catch up on trimmings and bonus content. Just thought that was the fairest thing to do. I've got to go take baby Dr. Carl to baby rhyme time now, his first session at the library. So I'm going to go do that. Hope you enjoy this. Uh, We'll keep chatting on the Neighbours Council on Facebook and Neighbours Pod on Twitter. Keep the conversation flowing. Be good to each other. Support marginalised voices. And we'll uh, see you on the other side of this, hopefully next week. Not the other side of the issue by next week. Like, hopefully we'll get our heads together to do an episode probably next week. Okay, thanks. Let's get the neighbor. Look, I just feel that not for one second did I believe he was dead. Mm. So him coming back, I'm like, oh, well, there you are. You're back now. Yeah, because they didn't find remains. They had this funeral by the lake where they scattered some rose petals and then everyone moved on with their lives. I have to admit, watching it did get me on the googs and looking up Ertzi, which I'm glad that I referred to him back then as well. Now, Ertzi is the, um, the the oldest mummified person that they've ever found who was in the Italian Alps um, <laughs> from, I think, 3400 BC or something like that. And Sean, Sean's a latter-day Ertzi. Yeah, except he's sentient. Well, that's questionable too, but... He's walked off the plane fresh as a daisy. He said they rescued him a couple of days ago. You're alive. Oh, God, I can't believe this. I was rescued from the mountain a couple of days ago. I went to the house first and couldn't find you. I tried the office. They said you'd moved out here. Oh, this is a miracle. And he didn't ring anyone or get on Facebook or, you know, even TikTok. He wouldn't have a TikTok account. So... He would have to get one. Like, that. wouldn't that be one of the first things one would do at this point? <laughs> Imagine that alert on Facebook. Hey, guys, me. What's been happening? There's not many people on the streets. Imagine how confusing that would be, actually, <laughs> if you just came into this situation we're living at the moment. It was overwhelming because he appeared at the start of Friday's episode and I almost needed him to be a cliffhanger. Because yeah. he arrived and then spewed forth information for the rest of the episode. And I'm like, whoa, I need like a week to be drip fed all of this detail by detail. So basically what happened was that the avalanche started and he knew it was coming. And rather than just kind of wiping him out like that, he saw a cabin, got in the door, avalanche came down, didn't flatten the cabin. Um, and then he just survived in there with his, oh, but he twisted his ankle. But there was like, quote unquote, minimal supplies, but obviously plenty of water. 
So he had rations in his backpack that lasted him from October to May. And so there was no people in there? There was no people in the cabin that he went to? Didn't seem to be. God, wouldn't he be, like, firstly, he looks great. You would think he would be absolutely emaciated. Can we, firstly, can we do a sidebar on the beard, a side beard, if you will? His beard, did he have a, he should have had a castaway beard. Oh, look, look, maybe he's groomed himself. He's gone, look, I can't come out looking like the wild man of Borneo here. (laughs) I've got to, you know, like have have a little bit of grooming. Why didn't he shave it all off? Wouldn't you want to be fresh? Hmm. Maybe that's what grew back in the 24-hour flight from Switzerland. Yeah, maybe he's got a very quick-growing hair, old Sean. (laughs) He should be in hospital, though. Like, you think that he would be, he would have malnutrition in one way or the other. Like the cave boys, they were, you know, drinking algae and stuff. You can't just hop on a plane after that. My husband was watching it with me and he goes, oh, he's eaten a lot of spam. (laughs) (laughs) And then my reply to that was, He's been in a cabin with a lot of spam farts enclosed in there with him. I had to have some electrolytes before recording this podcast just because I hadn't eaten enough today. Like, what the hell is he doing just getting on an international flight? But that's what I was thinking. Maybe spam is salty enough to get your electrolytes in, CJ. The macros on spam are amazing, actually. (laughs) But did Toast have a backpack full of spam? Or was the spam in the cabin? Is it a spam-equipped cabin? I just, he would have been freaking freezing in there. Like, how did he heat up that space? Spam farts. (laughs) He's lighting his spam farts. (laughs) I reckon you're on the money. Somebody set up their cabin on the side of a cliff and said, oh, look, you know, there's avalanches here all the time. I should just stop this place. With some stuff. And so they've put some multivitamins, a good multivitamin, maybe a chewable. Sean looks like he needs a chewable. And a a cupboard full of spam. Maybe what else? Maybe they insulated the walls with spam. Yes. Hopefully there's some sort of liquid fuel there or something, like, you know, to heat up that room. And remember, he's a very fit man. No, but then there wasn't much fat on his body to burn. No, you're right. He must have had spam because spam's really high in fat. It would have been quite warming for him. And where is a current affair? That's worldwide news right there. Tara Brown would have been on the first flight to Geneva. They would be like, Aussie, brother of murderer, brother of recently deceased island murderer. Billionaire. Found alive. Yep. And she'd be like, so Sean, how did this experience compare to when you were kidnapped by Colombian rebels. That's right. And then they could have rolled the archive footage from ACA in the 90s. Yeah. And then, like, he's had a baby. Why doesn't he contact the mother of his child? Like, so he's been in this cabin knowing that he's having a baby. Like, because you know when babies are coming about. Oh, yes. (laughs) Right? So he knows. He's in a cabin. Like, imagine if your partner, Bea... Yeah. When, like, how many months ago was October? Um, it was right at the start of my gestation. <laughs> Imagine if you were two months pregnant, you hadn't really even announced it, and your partner goes missing. Yeah. Imagine that person sitting there in their thing, eating their spam, thinking, <laughs> oh, well, about now they're getting the six-week scan. or the Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Sorry, that was Sean eating his spam. <laughs> <laughs> How did you 
do that live foley. We've never had that on this. <laughs> I've got small children. Sometimes you have to do a fart noise on request. You do. We're a bloody BBC show now. <laughs> this is classy. <laughs> So that would have been the soundtrack. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> also, he's playing a 19-year-old or he's playing a 30-year-old with amnesia, retrograde amnesia. He thinks he's 19. So there's a lot going Has on. Has anyone explained that to him, that he's not 19? Yes, he, he's aware of that, but he still thinks he is. Oh, okay. But I was thinking this week because he got all quite stubbly this week yes, as well. and quite sexy. Imagine being like 19 and growing like white stubble. Wouldn't that be alarming? That would be confusing. Um, can someone also explain to me what is going on with the creepy stalker guy and the glasses? I did not understand oh, that yeah. plot at all. No. Well, well, it's Okay, one of the characters did a murder tour of Ramsey Street, which was amazing. Brilliant. Brilliant concept. Right. Because Millsy was on the tour because he's a former chemical terrorist. Yes, that's right. And one of, the, one of the stalker fans got a little too into it. Uh, yeah, she pointed out the house that they live in and he decided to come back for a second look and actually break into the house. Right. Because I was like, what is he live streaming? Who is he live streaming to? So there's... There's some weird hardcore Facebook group of lunatic fans well, who think it's American Horror Story. Realistically, looking at this situation outside of the, the neighbour's goggles here, wouldn't you think it's a miscarriage of justice that this guy who nearly killed hundreds of school students mm. is now just back living on the street? Just because he can't remember? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm impressed with Weird Guy because to live stream, you've got to have a few fans. Yes. yes. And because, you know, I've gone live to three people and it's sad. Yeah. He's obviously not doing that. So good on him. Yeah. He's found a niche and he's doing well at it. True crime, mate. That's, yeah. that's where it's at. But he's found like Erinsborough chemical terrorists with amnesia. Like that's quite the niche, yeah. right? And he's doing good. Well done, Alfie. Yeah. I was like, so is Milsey playing himself? And this is a deranged fan of... Musical theatre. No, it's a crime fan. Who has been to several renditions of Legally Blonde and was just like, I just can't get enough. Which Lucy Drew coming? Now, this is it. I like this story. Can you tell me, you're just sitting around the house, twiddling your hair, singing Xanadu, and then neighbours calls. What what happens? Uh, Well, actually, Ben is a really good friend of mine and I was in Muriel's wedding, the musical, but... I needed a bit of a break. I wasn't. I didn't think I was going to be able to continue with the show. And he said, oh, this, this role's come up on Neighbours. And he actually said, he didn't know if this was fact or not, but he actually said that Misha Barton was going to play the role of Scarlett or was set to play the role of Scarlett. From the OC? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love this. I know. I don't know if this has ever been confirmed or not, but. Who cares? Make sure story. if you're listening, yeah. call in immediately. Or maybe he's just trying to prank you and this is, this is <laughs> we're buying into that. Well, if he is, it worked. Um, and yeah, so he said she was supposed to be coming out to play the role, but it needed to be a crazy character. And he suggested me, but they knew that I was busy with Muriel's. And so I said, I might not be continuing with the show. And so let them know. Yeah, then it, it all just happened. It was, I was joining and... How awesome. Yeah. So originally she was going to be American and then we're going to meet her at a big Vegas wedding that I don't think <gasps> ended up happening. Maybe Paul and Therese. Yes. Because yeah. they ended up getting married on the Gold Coast. Oh, by Elvis. Yeah. Vegas by the sea. So, so it's like they had their champagne tastes in planning. Ended up, yeah. <laughs> Not that you beer, but you know, like it's. Yeah. I, Misha was the champagne and I'm the VB. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Might be a I think, I think she's more of a, you know, the. 
<laughs> higher end yeah. substance. Was that then super weird to have to mac on with one of your mates? It was so weird. <laughs> and like I really – tell Van more about no, what it's like to kiss don't him. don't make yeah, it no, inappropriate. No, <laughs> well, it felt completely inappropriate. I mean <laughs> me and my husband and Ben and his girlfriend Prue, we're all friends. We hang out all the time. So it was like we'd been filming for a few weeks and I knew this first kiss was coming and we were both just mortified about the whole thing. We couldn't even look at each other and it was an early morning scene so we were both brushing our teeth furiously like a hundred times. Oh, like you're in going into Love Island yeah, for a cash feast. exactly. Going into a Love Island um, challenge. We just had to go for it and like I remember after, it just felt so wrong. It was like oh. where you were so aware of where your hands were and it was just, oh, we were both just devastated oh my god and we actually had to ask for another take because we were both so stiff Mm -hmm. and awkward the director was like oh no it was fine and we're like just let's do that again it sounds like we wanted to do it again (laughs) but no we were like that was just too it just would have looked terrible and i hate every time he's like we've got another kiss coming up i'm like no no really And all those bath bathtub scenes. <laughs> oh yeah, neighbours didn't even have a bathtub. Oh, you brought the bathroom. A, yeah, that was the first time they've had a bathroom scene with running water. I think bubbles. Poor Ned and his incidences with showers, saunas, yes. and baths. And mm. It's not good. No. The minute I saw you going to take your stuff while he was in the shower, I'm like, oh Ned, <laughs> put your towels away. In my line of work, I never get the like romantic role or the kissing role or. So when I was kissing Ben, it was like the biggest deal for me and I was just mortified every time. And then he told me how many people he'd kissed. He's kissed everyone and and all the time. Like there's just kiss, so much kissing going on. No wonder everyone's always got each other's colds. It's just like... Oh, oh really? Yeah, it's, it's like a germ factory in there. We need to look, get stuck in here because I go away from this pod for two weeks and people are hopping into the sack in multiples... Now, before you went and had yourself a baby, I kept on watching Neighbours ahead of time because I couldn't control myself. We've already talked about this. Um, But I read a description of Monday's episode a couple of weeks back. I said, Vaya, they're trying to make it so you can't stop podcasting. And I said to CJ, there is not a single storyline they could put on that would make me interested right at this moment as I'm about to give birth. So I just cut and pasted the episode synopsis with said... Chloe and Pierce are apprehensive about bringing Naomi into the bedroom. And Val was like, oh, okay, cool, I'll be yeah. back. Ring-a-ding-ding. Yeah, see you, guys on, see you guys at the end of the first week of June. <laughs> <laughs> like, you got me. I mean, I'm here. What do you need? And what a fizzer. God, yeah. it had so much promise. Well, I mean, I'm very interested. I'm very, well, I think, well, let's just say it. At the end of the Friday episode, we were going into it perhaps going to have a threesome, all of us, all of the neighbours community were going into this bedroom. Um, and then the Monday's episode, as it unfolds, it tells us what happened, which yeah. was, as you said, a fizzle. Yeah, they yadda yadda yadded over it. Mm. <laughs> Chloe was just sitting there looking like a nervous Stepford wife beforehand. Yeah. And I was like, is a weird afternoon encounter really the, 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 the most – the, the best choice for this? For a couple that run the hotel where they have access to the penthouse suite and they kick the teenagers out of the house for the night. Well, but even then, like kicking the teenagers out, that's only like a, a couple of hours. They could come back anytime. A few years ago, I wrote some articles 
for a, a website, a positive sex website. And I wrote an article about how to have a, a, th- a successful threesome. Oh, give us, give us your top tips, Dr. Dolly. So one of them was definitely not to have it in your home. Oh. And I'm going to suggest another one might be to have a safe word in place. I mean, yeah. what, about, what about recreational drugs? Would that help? Yeah. Would definitely <laughs> Naomi had the right idea by bringing a bottle of bubbles. Yeah. And definitely, Chloe, you should eat first. Yeah. You don't oh, want to be worrying. Maybe, maybe be worrying about your Uber Eats while you're getting maybe this. Maybe she's got some IBS or something. But also, don't have any gluten or anything that might puff you up. Just a, yeah, like a green juice or something. Oh, no, that flushes things out. Okay, no, I don't know what I'm doing. I've got to read the article. So when she found out it was stage four, what, what was the plan? Because Sonia and Toadie seemed to be like, okay, well, we've got a plan. Mm, so... That's what I was looking at and this is also something that's been coming up for me recently which is the thing with grief and loss and particularly of like primary people in your life that it the experience is always shifting and changing. So I was eight when my mum was diagnosed and so I was similarly also what I was watching in this episode was like their choice not to tell the kids mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was wrong. And my mum, I remember when my parents picked me up from the friend's house, they'd been at the doctor, Uh, they came to get me and then they came home and my mum and me had a cup of tea on my bed and she was like, called out to my dad to get me a cup of tea and he brought it in and I was like, oh, something must be going on because I'm not allowed a cup of teas late at night and... But this must be important. Yeah. And then she told me that she wanted to tell me something. She'd been diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And I said, can you die? And she said, yes. And then I said, what's the likelihood of that? I probably didn't use the word likelihood. Yeah. And you probably, she, I bet you did though. She said, yeah, totally. She said that the doctor had said that she had 20% chance of um, surviving this. And that's like what I've since learned, that five-year kind of diagnosis. That's what they said to Sonia last week. Mm. You've got a yeah 25% chance to make it to five years. Wow. They said it's that last still, week. It's unbelievable that that's still a standard answer. I've heard that they kind of change that now because there's a lot in well-being and health that is it worth us knowing, these yeah. kinds of things. Of course it is to a degree, but then how we – even the language around that is so important. And she did actually go to her to Dr. Carl, to her friend. Oh, yeah. and I was wondering what was going on with Carl. Yes. So Toadie's dark on him because he kind of blames him for not finding it, which I uh, think fair enough if you were poking around down there, yeah. mate. Um, Isn't Carl's standard GP though? He is, but he's got his hand in everything. Yeah, for Li- sure. He's still doing that. Literally. Um, but she went round to his house and was like, give me the details, otherwise I'm going to Google it. This week, T, I've asked you to dip back into Erinsborough because it's a landmark storyline and as you're a member of the LGBT plus community, uh, you identify as Mm non-binary and now we have a trans character played by a trans performer making her debut on Neighbours. Which is huge. I I think I can probably count the number of trans people who've played trans roles in Australia on one hand. I think it's probably just Georgie and uh, Evie McDonald who played a like a school kid in a show on ABC called First Day. It was like a one-off thing that happened last year. Mm. But other than that, I can't think of any other characters that have actually been played by Mm. trans people. And I I don't know whether Evie got any story narrative, but I know Georgie has kind of 
helped shape the direction of Mackenzie's character. Yeah, she approached the production team and from what she's saying in interviews, has been walking through the story process with them. And I was watching her Australian Story episode today, which was like a documentary piece about her family and her story. What a wonderful family. Mm. Just the Stones actually made a whole lot of progress in the family courts in Victoria because Georgie wanted to be on hormone blockers when she was a child and they had to petition to the family court to make that happen. And so now they made it so that children, that trans children that want to go through that process don't have to go to the court at stage one level of hormone blocking. Which saves everyone a whole bunch of time because mm. if you think of like when you need to go to the doctor to get medicine, you don't then have to go to the high court or the family court to be like, hey, is it okay if I have this mm. medicine? So it actually changed things for a lot of people, that case. Just by them living and being and fighting through it, they just kept getting up and doing it. And then now it's changed. And it's, oh, I was, I loved it, loved the story and the family. And Kate, as we mentioned, yeah, her dad, Greg, played Sonia. I don't know if you know Sonia, Toadie's late wife. Right. He played her uncle slash biological father in the show like a couple of years ago. Yeah, like Uncle Walter came to town, Greg. He was like, surprise, I'm actually your dad. Really? <laughs> that's that's actually more common than you'd think on Neighbours these days. <laughs> yeah. It's just like something we fall back on all the time. Yeah. He didn't come to a recent funeral, though. That's a missed opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> Look, he is also a very caring father, though, to his um, teenage daughter yeah. on the show. Yes. Uncle Walter. So he was caring for her. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Georgie Stone's character, Mackenzie, and how does that feel for you, though, T, to see that representation on the screen? I mean, I, so I first of all, I think it's fantastic. I um, saw these storylines this week and, and really felt that same kind of, um, that nervousness about coming out um, and the potential of being outed, which mm. is a scary thing. Um, I've been not in a similar situation, not at least to Mackenzie's level, but just where I was at a party and someone was there who knew me before I transitioned and was doing the exact same thing that, I don't know her name, car bride girl. Um, Yashvi. Yashvi. Or you could just say V. Or V. Okay, yeah. I'll go with V then. Doing that, oh, I know you from somewhere. Where's your, I, you look familiar. And I'm just like, I just have one of those faces. <laughs> and it wasn't like a few days later, I got a Facebook message being like, it's you. And then like my old name. And I'm just oh. like, oh, mm. she worked it out. <laughs> that's yeah, that's the tricky part because it becomes, mm. people gamify it. And we'll, we'll get into it in a minute, but I just, that's the only bit that, sat a little bit uncomfortably with me is that Yashvi started to, I need to get to the bottom of this. I'm like, no, you don't actually. It's fine. <laughs> but how did you find your journey back to Erin's brother? Was it fun being back in the world? For context, my first episode of Neighbours in probably 10 years was the episode in which five of oh. Paul Robinson's ex-wives came back. That has been one of my I highlights just, of the year. Just, that was great. I came back into just like a snowstorm of shit. I'm like, what is going on here? What yeah. is happening with this show? I sent T the episode link and then she said, oh, look, I haven't seen Neighbours in a really long time. And I'm like, I've got a feeling <laughs> there'll be something to grab onto here. <laughs> We have Joel Creasy, who recently did a turn on Ramsey Street as... I was incredible. Mick. <laughs> least gay name on earth. Mick. I mean, on, who named me Mick? Mick Allsop. I mean, get a grip. Do I look like a Mick Allsop? At least Mitchell or Mc- I know, Mikhail. I know, I'm rolling with it now. I don't mind being a Mick. I feel like I might meet you in a dark alley and shank you. Not how the character... That was kind of not the character's you went in, journey. You went into the Tanak Packers, the, the backpackers. I know, and had um, a meeting, shall we say, with Ash Williams. 
Yeah. Uh, method. Yeah, Rory's a Miro. <laughs> yeah, that's like Rory's a Miro. God, the names. I love them. Uh, well, I reckon you've created a little beat in that Tanak Packers bathroom. I, I totally have. They need to ask me back and get that beat going again. I could be like the brothel manager. Because <laughs> you know they've got the back lane bar and they do a, a gay night on Friday nights. Well, I would hope so with a name like that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, where's my guest spot at the back lane bar? I hang out there most weekends. <laughs> Katrina Milosevic. We know you. You're on Wentworth. You're Boomer. You're fabulous. However, uh, you are also Kelly Katsis. I am. Where am I? I've gone to Mali still, I think, haven't I? <laughs> I must be doing well. It's been about 10 years. Now, Tony's recently widowed again. Oh, I'm so back. There's an I'm opening. In. I uh, want to come back. I want to be... Oh, poor Tony, is he all right? No. Okay, well, there you go. He, he needs a brunette in his life as he well. He does, and hello. And also ex- extremely important because your character was Greek, and so am I, and I yeah. watch for those Greek characters. Yeah, bring it on. Well... I was going to do a Greek accent, I won't do Please, that. I want to hear oh. it. I'm fully sick. I'm fully there. I'm fully there. <laughs> Imagine, Tony. <laughs> I can. Yeah, we love your work. Thank you. But, you know, it's important to point out the, the really key roles of your career. <laughs> Don't worry, Tony. I'm a coming. Hi, Kerry. Oh. oh, my gosh. You are a cultural icon. <laughs> Around the world as Nanny Alice. Oh my god, isn't it funny? I wanted to be like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. You are. I wanted to be a really bad baddie because women are always called bitches, and I thought I don't want to be that. I want to be wicked. I want to be really naughty. You, you are iconic. <laughs> have, have you seen the memes and the gifs on no. the line? Is it good? Are they being good? They're about amazing. Me? They're gra- they're grabbing you, mean? you in the bushes. <laughs> And you in the cat suit? Oh, the cat suit. That was my idea. Wasn't it great? And, and the pearl. Oh, the pearl. Like and the Yeah, I ad-libbed the pearl and I did the lipstick on the nose. And everyone is loving you and Madeline as yeah, mother-daughter bananas I double know. act. <laughs> is that a hoot of a time? It's a hoot. Look, I'm having ball. I'm so... Eve Maury's one of my best friends. So is Ryan. So I love them. I love them. I want her to come back from the dead and I'll give birth to her. It's entirely possible. Yeah. It's entirely possible. I heard a positive story today. Yes. So I'd like to spread it. There's a 105-year-old woman in China who made it through and she's virus clear. Yes. So she's the oldest person to get through this virus and I'm very proud of her and I think we should all celebrate this woman. I don't know her name, but let's celebrate I was her. Say, let's hear it for Ma Naka. Yeah, Ma Naka. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cheers. She can't come down for her ailing son surgery, but she could get through that. See, now that storyline now makes a lot of sense. Yes. Why she couldn't get on the plane because she had diabetes, I think. And it makes sense. Don't get on the plane if you've got diabetes at the moment. But my first question to you, Dan, because your background, you've essentially been at the helm of the soap over the road, home and away, making these big decisions. What happens when there's massive breaking national news or global news and you're three months out? and there's no way you can reference it. You just cross your fingers and hope that you haven't put anything in the show that is completely inappropriate because like you said you can't <laughs> you can't reference it. So you sort of but you think back and go what have we dropped in that may be really awful at this particular point in time and just hope for the best. Some of the UK soaps and neighbors recently have been able to drop some some breaking news in, but you know, it's tricky and you just got to got to hope that it doesn't jar too much in the real world. You go like in retrospect probably shouldn't have had that plane crash into that building. Kind of thing. Yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> there was a point during Home and Away days where every time we'd crash a bus or crash a plane, which was every other week, um, <laughs> th- there would be one in the world and we sort of thought that we were setting some 
some really awful trends, but um, you, you try not to do it. <laughs> you just crush, crush your fingers and hope it doesn't happen too often. So next time you should just like, you know, vote in governments that want healthcare and um, <laughs> other things like that and just wait and see for it to happen. <laughs> so the power that we could possibly have, that's right. It's like early edition, but it's episodes of Home and Away predicting what's <laughs> happening. Now, KB, because we are trapped in the same house with a newborn, you've had to watch a lot of Neighbours. Had to slash let's not really try to admit that we're just watching it now. Yeah, it's well, our brains need this escape, don't they, in this time? Yeah, we look, we have nothing to look at except the baby and the baby's cute, but when it's not moving its face, then we don't need to keep registering that cute. We can have one glance and then we've got to look at something else. And there's only a certain amount of things I can tolerate watching at the moment. Yes, yeah. Sensitivity-wise. They're game shows and Neighbours. And on the whole, Neighbours has better storylines. Yeah. We are going to focus on the 13th of July to the 17th of July episodes. Not going to do Neighbours Council business this week, but maybe you can just tell our Neighbours community how it's been being a dad, you know? Dad, dad stuff. I mean, I feel like I learnt, have learnt more from Paul Robinson. The, I've adapted the Paul Robinson style of parenting. Oh, Jesus. What's which that? Is just trying to subtly undermine his every move and trying to alienate him at all opportunities. Does that mean you're just going to vanish for a decade and I'll see you when he's like 19? Yeah, I mean, there's stuff I can do at this stage, like sneaking his dirty nappies back on. Um, but um, yeah, no, eventually I'll, I'll head off and come back once I've lost track of how many you've got. We had the two-hander between Rob Mills and Jackie Woodburn and no other cast except for Baby Aster, who obviously does not have dialogue. How does that get underway? So Millsy arrives in Erinsborough after having lit fire to the island and oh, excuse me, Bum Bum Island. Bum Island. Oh yes, of course. And he arrives back and he's pretty nonchalant. He's just arriving in the middle of the night. Susan's got her, her night clothes on, she's got a hoodie on. He's just like, Oh look, you know, B's in a bad place. We've got to get up to the the Blue Mountains. Now I've driven to Sydney, Kate, I'm sure that you know the facts on this, but are we thinking six-hour drive? Um, I think it was actually the Snowy Mountains. But, yeah, we're talking at, yeah, at least six, I'd say. Yeah. And I think the cabin was about four hours from the island, which I'll oh. get to. Some creative geography. But that poor baby is probably near death from dehydration. Yeah. Now, I don't know how long a baby can actually go without food, but, I mean, I'm thinking it's like, four hours, five hours maybe at most, and that those five hours would be when they're asleep. Yes, and also, you know, she was wanting a drink, what looks kind of felt like mid-afternoon as well, and then mm. Finn's mm. burning down Bum Island when it was evening and it was getting dark, and then he finally gets to Erinsborough and it's even darker, and then it's like another four hours on top of that. Like that poor child said, go to hospital. She probably needs to be on a drip. But also amazingly so, she was very calm and asleep when Susan got out to the car. So Millsy tells Susan that it's just him and her going to see B. He quickly shirts off the idea of Carl coming with them. Carl's finally got a shift. Yeah, he's at work. Can you imagine his road trip playlist? <laughs> oh, Miss Vanity. No, no, not Millsy, like Carl's. Oh. Just all the right prescri- prescription, just back to back. Yeah. Um, but he can't play music because he doesn't want to wake the sleeping baby. I reckon he slipped that baby a little something in the back there Whoa. to knock her out. He also had milk because remember Ellie sent him onto the boat to heat up the milk. 
So he did have at least one bottle. And he just never gave it to her. Whoa. That poor baby. Except for, um, and we can talk about it because we're not going to go through this whole episode in detail because I just don't think we can do it justice. It's just, it was like watching a play, you know. Um, But later in that episode, he has a real dilemma about weaning her off of breast milk and transitioning to formula. Like he has a real moment where Susan's like, well, she's hungry. We have to go get formula. And he's like, oh, is she ready to change? I'm like, mate, you've killed people. You've burnt an island. Like you've got someone hostage. Now is not. it's great that you're concerned about her feeding plan. <laughs> I think we're to gather from that that Ellie was in fact pumping milk on Bum Island, which is above and beyond the call of motherhood. Oh, that is ridiculous. But I love it because he was just like, okay, as Vaya said, he's just killed all these people. And he's like, but is fed best? I'm not sure. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Everything in your life will be going along smoothly. And then something happens out of the blue. Unfair dismissal. You attempt a homicide. Or you didn't shake hands when you agreed to co-own that second-hand car. And you have to get your affairs in order. But you never did legal studies. So now you need a good lawyer. But you can't really afford one. So you consider someone nearby you can trust. Well, someone nearby. Jared Rebecca Lawyers. No win, no charge. But if you could pay me anyway, that'd be sweet. I might have to go on the dole soon. 